0: Hello, anyway, folks, welcome to episode 2 of Yoga Dave's Hobby Podcast. I am Yoga Dave, or Dave Muir, or whatever you want to call me. I've been called many nicknames, over, or many names over the years, um, so do not really matter to me. Um, so this podcast, uh, if you haven't listened to episode 1, is essentially a hobby podcast. So, or my hobby podcast, um, it involves all the hobbies that I'm involved in. Um, gaming wise um, that'll be board gaming, war gaming um, role play gaming um, and all the stuff that entails like painting models, building terrain all that kind of stuff Um, so basically the first couple of podcasts um, are going to be me trying to figure out what I want to do with The podcast itself because even though I've been talking about doing this for years and years, the same with doing the YouTube channel that I just started a couple of months ago. um, As I've always had you know this want to do these things, but I didn't have a bloody clue what I actually wanted to do. Um, So, a lot of it is going to be me, there will be lots of me ranting because I do rant a lot, Um, but there will also be a lot of me, you know, talking about different subjects, um, talking about different different things really, um, over to figure out uh, like if I want to do segments, if I want to do interviews, if I want to do whatever. Um, so, um, first thing I'm going to talk about um, is the RPGs that I'm doing right now. So basically, tomorrow, which is Monday, I'm recording this Sunday night. Um I'm gonna be doing the two D twenty version of Star Trek by Mofidius, Modifius. I can never remember what the name of the company actually is. Um so the two D twenty is pretty much their system. Um, and they use it for the Infinity RPG, which will be starting in uh, two weeks. Oh no, a week, a week tomorrow. Um They do it with Conan, um, and Mutant Chronicles the upcoming Vampire the Masquerade, new set of rules, um, Hank John Carter Mars, um, basically everything that they ha- are doing right now and will be doing in the future I believe is getting to use the 2D20 system. Um, no, I like it. Um, it's different, I will grant you, um, but it's quite, quite good. Different. Um, sometimes different isn't a good thing. Um, sometimes, you know, there needs to be a bit of a shake up. Um, like the new Warhammer 40k, it's a bit of a shake up. It's different. It's not bad, different. It's just different from the old way. Um, obviously, they've been using it way to Sigmar, but, you know, um, same kind of system. But, you know, it's I think it's a really good system, and that it gives you—you know—it's you roll 2d20. You know, you might need one success, you might need two successes, you might need three successes, which means you need to get critical um, on that roll, or you might need help of somebody in order to pass. Um, So it encourages um, cooperation, collaboration. What I can't even speak right now. Collaboration between yourself and the rest of your party, a lot of the time, um, because you know there is a lot of times where it you know you really need to pass this in order to advance or do whatever you need to do during the adventure or mission or whatever whatever they call it for that particular um, version. Of the set rules, so if you're using Conan as the adventure, if you're doing Star Trek as the mission, um, I'm not sure about uh, Infinity. I actually need to sit and read the rules for Infinity. I've had them for months and months. Um, I've had the players' copy printed off by one of my mates for months and months, and I've never actually sat and read them, which is kind of embarrassing because I said I would and go through them, but um, I've had a little, not a lot of time to do it, but, you know, no, actually I don't have a lot of time to do it, but, yeah, I realised that I haven't done a lot of time off recently with um, being unemployed and everything and commissions not coming in at a great rate at the moment, but, um, you know, there's been other stuff, I mean, new dog, you know, had him for five months, lots and lots and lots of work because he's only almost a year old now. Um, so you know, he's lots of work, but that's beside the point entirely. Um, the other thing about the D twenty, the two D twenty set of rules that I quite enjoy, is the fact that you know, if you get a critical success or more than one critical success, um, you get a bit of momentum, you know, you know, or two bits of momentum, but it also works in your detriment. Um, is critical failure um, depends on like the kind of stuff that the GM or DM a uh, GM because it's a DM and D and D GM everywhere else and um, pretty much um, same thing but you know D and D have got their own fancy name for it Dungeon Master whereas everyone's just the game's master and everything else um, yeah so he's got. I can't remember what they call it in Star Trek, um, but you know it's basically you know they can it can amp up what's going on with the people that you face, like the size of a like a, and a wee party or um, or a like a squad of enemies or something. like that, um, So it's quite interesting in that way you can get your momentum and you can get whatever it is they call it in um, Star Trek Um, but the good thing about it as well is they have quite um, well supported the set of rules um, with constant you know um, updates not updates um, Supplements, that's it, constant supplements You know, even little ones That, you know, add an adventure Or have you to your game You know, it's a nice thing Because quite often What you find Is a new set of rules comes out um, And it's not heavily Supported, especially from Somebody who You know, as far as I'm I I, I haven't Before Star Trek uh, I was never really aware of them um, I know people that were aware of them; they'd seen the rules before, but you know it's not a big major um, company, as far as I'm aware. You know, so well they have some major um, licences. Um, I haven't, you know, I haven't been out of the RPG game for a wee while, but they're still not one of the majors. So the fact that you know they're supporting it very well, at the same time as supporting Infinity very well, going on very well. They support all of their systems very well. But that might be due to the fact that, you know, as part of the contract that they do that. Or, you know the the licensee because 'cause they're the licensee, um, you know, is helping them in that regard. Um you never know what you know, you get from these kinds of things. Um, obviously, Coran and um, John Carter are probably open to. I'm not sure who holds the um, copyright on both of them um, and how actual, how, how old they are, and whether or not copyright, you know, it becomes uh, free to do whatever you want with. Um, You know, I'm not really that down in copyright law. To be honest, I probably should be, because I'm doing podcasting um, myself. Um, You know, and I'm doing YouTube channels and all this that kind of stuff, and trying not to use any copyrighted work um, or using it fair use, that kind of thing. It's why I don't have a um, theme tune why I don't have you know, any artwork or anything like that um, on my podcast or anything like that. I do have it on... Well, I do use music on YouTube, but it's um, license-free. Um, and any pictures I use, I say, well, um, you know... This is just depicting what I'm talking about. And if it's pictures I own because I've taken them or I've made them up... Then that's fine. But... I try... To keep as much away from any of that kind of thing as I can. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to think what I was talking about there oh, it was before the copyright stuff. So basically, um, it's very well supported, uh, and I quite like that. I quite like the fact that they don't seem to be a major studio, but they support it very well. Um, I felt it was through the breach. It was supported to a point um, and then kind of wasn't and then kind of was um, it's weird I like the system with rear reach because it's the, the fate deck system or a modified fate deck um, at least uh, modified fate deck system at least um, which I, I like because I like Marvel and I like that but I, I did feel that you know 2nd edition came out very soon after 1st edition now that might be just that uh, we realised that they didn't do such a great job or didn't do as well a job as they wanted to do which I don't think is the case or it's just money making exercise um, which you know fair enough they're a company that they're allowed to make money but it felt kinda it felt kinda sudden because there was a quicker turnaround between um Through the Beach and Marvel. Uh, when did that start Marvel? Can't remember when second edition came out, uh, but it was f- before I started playing. Um but by the time I started playing they were on the second wave of Masters. So at least the second wave of masters, I'm pretty sure the second um, supplement had come out by the time I started playing. So there is there is a long, uh, like a very short distance between first and second edition of Through the Reach, which is kind of annoying. But I don't think that'll happen with Star Trek. I think there might be a second printing or a third printing or however however many printings they need, um, which you know obviously they've got their errata updated and. All that kind of stuff, but I don't think that there will be a second edition of this anytime soon, which I don't want to see for various reasons. Mainly, I don't want to buy another copy anytime soon because um, I have paid for my own copy of the gate, the, the rules. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, so in the base game there are three periods of play so you get Enterprise you've got Original Series and you've got Next Gen Next Gen obviously encompasses DS9 and Voyager because where we're playing it's post Dominion War um, so you don't bump into any canon really um, I think it's post Voyager as well If off the top of my head it's one of the um, written adventures um, that uh, Mophidius, whatever their name is I can never remember, it's shocking but I will put a link to the website um, where Star Trek is in the in the notes but um, where was I going with this? Yeah. so you've got uh, three like eras of play and there are um, races that are you know, unique to a period. So, Trill, I believe, are only allowed to be played during the next generation, even though obviously Curzon Dax was alive during um, the original series. I'm not sure. Oh, and he was a Federation ambassador. I don't think you can play them in that. Um, I'd actually have to look it up, and I don't think I've got Mark. Um, copy of Star Trek The Hand hold on, hold on, hold on ah, here we are wait, let's go through it right, so you can only play in the base game um, the Federation I think there are plans to do Romulan and Klingon adventures um, and be able to play as characters from and crews from those races Um, I don't know about Kardashians I don't know about anyone else but from what I've heard pretty much the plan is Romulans Klingons after Star Trek at some point you are able to play um, using the um, supplements um, to play you know other races but not at not when we started talking about doing this set of rules were we going to do that, so we just went with the base races in the, the main book. So you get Andorians, so you can play Andorians in all eras of play, Majorans, obviously next gen, uh, Betazoids are next gen only, Denobulans are all eras of play, obviously Humans are all eras of play, Terrorites Tell- are the same, Trill are actually original series in next generation. Rather than just um, next gen, um, and then Vulcans are all areas of play, you know, and that's all the races that you can play from the beginning. Um, it's got good character generation. Um, set a um, set a character generation. Um, it lets you basically choose your own path. To what, b- b- like whether you want to be security or um, your command or science or medic or engineering, uh, you know, or operations. So, those are the f- six different like uh, branches of operation, um, within Starfleet. So, you know. We give you a random environment... Which you grew up in... You know... Like your home world... Actually like Col- colony... Starship... Like home world... Different things... Um, and then you've got upbringing... So... Whether you were Starfleet... Or agricultural... Or artistic... You know... And then... you get got Starfleet Academy... So... What track you went down... So... You get... You can either pack... Or you on the random table with RGM it was choose what race you want to play do a random home world do a random um, upbringing but you can play take your own command like if you want to do command or security or whatever um, and then you've got career events as well so different, there's a, a, a number of different career events that you can go through um and then you get finishing touches. So adding names and personal details and adding your values so your your character's values. So they're important um as part of, you know your uh, your characters um core uh what they're all about basically. Um I think can't remember, but I'm, it's, I'm pretty sure it's to help, like during the, during the game, and uh, during your campaign or whatever you're doing um, for the GM. So if something happens that you know your values, you know, are challenged or whatever, you know, that that could come up. But <clears throat> I really like the rules. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I think the reason why we chose Infinity was purely because it's the Infinity RPG. But I also when I, we packed Mutant Chronicles, because the the group um, actually splits in two to play two different games. We used to play as one single group, but you know, or two groups of RPGs. I mean, we're still one big group of players, but was two of players for a particular game when we chose to do Mutant Chronicles I think it was along the lines of this is a good set of D- 2D20 is a good set of um, basic rules to play we think that uh, the other thing about the game that, that has been quite interesting is I have had to change my style of play um, f- because You know, in the vast majority of games that I play, I'm a barbarian, I'm a fighter, I'm a ranger, you know, I'm a soldier, you know, I'm that kind of character. Um, And through the breach, I was a mage, but at the same time, I was a big, massive mage that smacked the crap out of people with a hammer. So I might be a a magic, I was a magical tank. Um, So I play tank characters for the most part. Um, And, you know, I, well, I play an Andorian security, not a Bajoran. I was going to play an Andorian security um, guy, but I play a trial security game. Um, And I've had to stop myself from, you know, grabbing a Ferengi by the throat and just chucking him in an interrogation room and leaving him there to sweat it out. Um, because I'm not allowed to do that kind of thing, because it's against Starfleet regulations. And to be fair, my character's already been busted down from 1st Lieutenant to 2nd Lieutenant for um, looting. Which, you know, <laughs> I'm not getting to what the hell happened in that particular adventure, but we basically got pulled before a court marshal and got away with lots and lots and lots and lots of things, because we lo- rolled lots and lots and lots and lots of critical um, successes, which, you know, of course, the only person that didn't, um, with the looting, was me, um, where I failed. They weren't too happy, let's just say, the admirals, on the court-martial board, and we get treated like shit, because, well, they think we're... Shit examples of staff fleet officers, but well, trying to redeem ourselves right now, um, and hopefully that will work. But yeah, honestly, I have to stop myself from playing my usual, you know, just grabbing somebody and dragging them into an interrogation room or slapping them about the place. Uh, because I'm a, a staff fleet security officer, um, I have to stop that kind of behavior. But it's sort of what the thing has also done. Um, which is quite unusual for us because um, very little of the time do we plan anything. We just go right, let's do this. Or, uh, but was not only has it had this plan more, it's had this role play more. And um, I know it sounds weird, but a lot of the time, because we've had like big groups, um, it's been uh, less about role playing, more about throwing dice. Um, which you know, sometimes can be fun. But what we had lost a lot of was the the role playing aspect of the gaming because there was so much many of us we just had to get through it, you know, rolling dice and trying to do this. And when we played Dark Heresy, there was an element of the role playing involved. But you know, it was a new GM, and I think we kind of took the piss a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, that is the thing about the way that this has come about Um, that this kind of shift I don't think when we first started doing it we we really had shifted back to normal role players but, you know between you having to work together um, having to, you know, change how every one of us, apart from uh, Mel Melanie, I don't know whether she'd like me calling her Mel or not, but she's new to the group, um, uh, but she was uh, a LARP Star Trek player in Germany, where she's from, um, and you know, obviously she has been very much uh, you know, playing the role of a Starfleet officer more than the rest of us, but I think that has infected the rest of our play, the rest of the group's play, and that we realise that we have to uh, have to change the way that we have been um, playing before, um, you know, and working as and acting like stuff the officers, which is important because you know that's part of the role play, um, and hopefully that will continue. Um, I don't know what it's been like with the other bunch because they've been doing Warhammer um, RPG, so. Hopefully, because the, uh, the groups are probably going to get mixed up a little bit, um, we'll get the same with them. Uh, I think that's probably it for that particular section, um, we'll move on to the next section or subject, whatever, whatever. Um, so I've been thinking about it. Um, over the last couple of days. Actually, probably the last week since I um, recorded the first one. Um, Is it a week? Maybe only a couple of days, I'll be honest. My brain kinda um, just messed up. I did a little bit on Lux APS, uh, or Lux, um, yeah, Lux APS, um, which is on It's the YouTube channel of Luke Fells. Nice guy. Really nice guy. Um, As as I've said before, I've dealt with him um, personally. Uh, I was going to do a little bit on... But, you know, a lot of the stuff would be very much um, central to me. Because, you know, obviously the places in Scotland like Common Ground Games and Static Games and Scots Models, all of which I highly recommend you go into and buy stuff from um, if you live in the area, if you live in Stirling for Common Ground Games, if you live in Glasgow for Static and all the surrounding area, Static and Scots Models. Scots Models is where I get my Vallejo paints, apart from my uh, yeah, brush ones. Um, but, you know, these are... Three businesses that are important to the hobby. So, what I was actually going to talk about, what I decided I was going to talk about, is supporting your local game store. Now, I know a lot of places um, from you know talking to other people. Is a lot of people have had uh, a bad experience with a local game store, and that uh, you know the staff. Or the owners have been very um, truculent, or bad-tempered, or Ill, you know had shitty customer service very much of the time. Which you know, I'll not. I'll be honest. With a lot of geeks and nerds, I've been around them my whole damn life. They can be very, very shitty customer service. Um, it's not something that really is inbuilt in them. Some of them are good at it, some of them are not. Um, and sometimes it can really shine through. Somebody's bought. A lot of the time, when you get people who open game stores, it's somebody who loves gaming. And what they haven't realised is it's a business. Uh, first and foremost, it's a business in order to keep it running you need to run it like a business which means you need to have good customer service you need to run it like a business you can't just run it like somewhere where your pals can come play games with you you have to run it like right this has to get done that has to get done the next thing has to get done Um, I think this is the problem with a lot of people who go and open gaming stores is that they don't realise that they have to run it this way they have to have good customer service doesn't matter if the person—it's the first person's first time in the shop or the person's hundredth time in the shop—you treat them exactly the same. I know this happens, but the most important thing for this hobby is—is is not, you know, the online stores where you can buy stuff for cheaper than you can get them everywhere else. It's the local gaming stores, because local gaming stores is where you get the new players coming in. You do get new players coming in, having watched stuff like Tabletop or Twitch channels or, you know, whatever, mm, excuse me, but, where did they buy the stuff? They buy the st- my first um, ever purchases for a game, was a game, it was in Games Um The first thing I ever bought myself ...was Space Marine. I've had Battletech bought for me. I had, you know, various other things bought for me. But the first thing I ever bought myself was Space Marine. Epic Space Marine. That was my first purchase for myself. Um, and this is the thing. It was in Games Workshop. But Games Workshop, as much as it is now... ...a Games Workshop-only place back when I first started, it was a local game store, it wasn't just Games Workshop, there was Battletech, there was um, Ralph Partha stuff, there was, well I suppose Battletech had, was, had the Ralph Partha stuff, but um, you know, it wasn't just Games Workshop, there was other people's models, there was other people's games, um, You know, there was Judge Dredd and whole loads of other things that weren't Games Workshop. Workshop supported the hobby. It wasn't until, I think it was the 90s, the early 90s, when they started um, running just their own stuff in the stores, which, you know, has helped them, I'm sure, a lot, because um, obviously they're not bringing, excuse me, stock in from elsewhere. It's on their own stock, which, as somebody who has worked in retail, and understands the supply chain a little better than most people. That's important. Games Workshop are their own supply chain. I don't know whether or not their paints are still are in the house now. Um, I know Coat Arms was the company that did them before. I know there are other companies that have done them before. So I'm not entirely up on that. But Games Workshop are their own supply chain for the models. Games Workshop are their own supply chain for the terrain. You know, all the stuff that's important for keeping the hobby running is them it's through them nobody else uh whereas you know obviously back in the day they they had to have the supply chain from other people um, and that's how you know obviously local game stores have to deal with now (coughs) there's also a lot of local game stores that pander a bit more to card games, and um, because that's where. <coughs> oh, so, sorry, I'm a bit yeah, gassy today. Um, where a lot of these stores get their constant income. Now this can be good, but it can also be detrimental. Um, so it's something that you got to look out for, but. If they have a Games Workshop section and you play Games Workshop, spend money in your local game store. Even if you're paying, pay, paying like a fiver every week or two to buy paint, or brushes, or glue, or whatever. <sighs> the thing is, if it, there's 50 people in the area that game and they're all spending a fiver a week, or every two weeks, it's not Massive, but you know, it keeps going wrong. Uh, that's a, a minimum number, but or a low number, but you know, it keeps you know, it's, it's only 250 quid a week, and it probably doesn't keep the lights on. But you know, I'm, it's the thing, I can't not talk about is spending money in your local game store keeping your local game store afloat because not only are they there for you they're all there for the new players um and all stolen the common ground games um, Steve runs Cub Scout. Uh, or is it? the Scouts or scouts um weekly or monthly games nights with them on the night that he's normally closed for um, customers, um, which you know, you wouldn't think was a big thing but it is um, but yeah local game stores are where new players are going to come from, because they're going to go and buy their stuff the first stuff from a game store everyone I know practically who first started out gaming, unless it was, like, the mod that, I, that brought them into it. Even me, my first buying experience of my own stuff was in a game store. I mean, I might I might be a little bit old school because, you know, let's be honest, I'm fucking old. Um, and my gaming life is almost as long as my actual life. Um, so, you know, I might be a dinosaur in that respect but I don't think I am I think most people who play games workshop games their first experience of buying stuff was in a shop you know most people who play games workshop games you know they get brought into it by a mate but they go to a local games workshop and play the games with each other or they go over to each other's and play it but you know their first experience is going into the games also the first experience of buying their own figures <sighs> is very often games also, or in another shop, depending on the area, and that is an important, ne, absolute imperative that we keep that kind of place open. Now, I know sometimes I buy my paint from other places than static or um, common ground or I say I buy all my Vallejo paints from Ian Scott's or Scott's models. I don't always, but when I'm in Glasgow I make a point of going both to static and to um, Sc- Ian Scott's uh, Scots models and spending money in the places. And I never spend a fiver at a time. I spend 30 or 40 quid at a time in both of the places. On paint most of the time, to be imp- Actually, every time I'm in Ian Scott's, it's paint or paint and white stuff. Um, it's never any models. If I go into static, I might buy an RPG book. If I look at it and go, ooh, I quite like that. I think I want that in paper, rather than just having it in PDF. Because pretty much everything I have is in PDF nowadays. Um, Because it's just easier for me to keep the collection um, in PDF, rather than having fucking honours of books and drive on insane. Um, But yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. You've got to keep um, these places... I keep on repeating myself you've got to keep these places alive to keep the hobby alive this is the same as I think I talked about it last week I might not have talked about it last week but I'll repeat it myself again if I have you've got to bring new players into the games you can't just um, be in your little circle and not help bring other people in now, I do remember that I did talk about your family last week, but there's also bringing other players that aren't family in. Um, so, if you've got a mate that reads Black Library games, a black, li- black Library books, right, and you play 40K, or Warhammer, or Age of Sigma, now, um, you say, well, I played the actual games, if you want to have a shot at it. You know, you go out to work and you meet somebody that is also a gamer. You know, you, you get talking. Or somebody who used to game when they find out that you game. I know for a lot of people there's a stigma attached to being a gamer and not a computer gamer. Being a board gamer, role player, war gamer. Um, but, motherfuckers, you need to get over it. You need to get over that shit. I have been gaming my entire fucking life, and I don't give a shit who knows that I game. I honestly couldn't give a flying monkeys. Never have given a flying monkeys. I go yeah, I game. So the fuck what? I've been a, I was a bouncer for fucking ten years. And I honestly give a shit. Give a shit. Give a shit what anyone said about my game. Nope. Couldn't care less. What what are you gonna say about it? Again. It's my hobby. I enjoy it. I fucking love it. What are you gonna say about that? You you play football? You watch football? Yeah, so da do Don't love it as much as I fucking love gaming. I love hockey. I love sports. I love martial arts. Did martial arts um I don't love it as much as I love gaming. I don't love the UFC. I love watching Thai boxing. I love watching obscure fucking fights. Don't love it as much as love gaming. And I really don't give a crap. Who knows? It's not anything that bothers me whatsoever. But I do know people. I've had people say to me, oh, I don't want to talk about it at work. It's like, why not? It's like, people think I'm weird. So? You're fucking weird. Get over it. Live with it talk about it you might find that there's a closet gamer in your work waiting to be rescued from the closet of gaming you know I I, I honestly don't understand it I understand there's I live in Scotland and I understand in Scotland there is a culture where you can't be a geek, you can't be a nerd or you get treated like shit I understand that. I honestly don't give a fuck about it. You know, I got bullied all the way through school. So the fuck what? Sometimes I say so the fuck what. But it doesn't stop me from talking about gaming. It it was never about the gaming side of it. It was that people just didn't like me. I can understand that. Sometimes I don't like me. Um, But yeah. So I I went off on a rant there again. That that's going to happen. All get used to it. Um, so yeah, it's important that we all do our best to bring as many people into the hobby as we can. Now I say this as I've been looking at what has been happening with the Age of Sigmar European Team Championship. Um, selection for the English team, um, and people have been talking about the hobbies getting more mainstream. You know, we need to um, understand this is happening. You know, we want to bring more people in, so you know, it's not just going to be you know fucking the best players and the England that get to play in the team because let's be bloody honest, a lot of players in um, tournaments and what have you, are stinky motherfuckers. You know know who you are. Don't pretend that you don't know who you are and how smelly you actually are. Now I know a lot of people who, you know, um, get that smelly do do so because it does the thing in their head that makes them not. But... For lots of you, it's just you're smelly. You don't wash enough. If you're going to go out in public, you're going to go to a tournament, you're going to go to a fucking show, wash you smelly fucker. Put fucking deodorant on. I hate the smelly bastards that go to tournaments and fucking conventions and you have to fucking stop yourself from boating all the up, especially when you have to play the fuck with, sorry, ranting again, but honestly, there is a m- bunch of people in the world that think most gamers are smelly, most gamers aren't smelly, most gamers have a sense of hygiene, it's just the proper one like fucking smelly fuckers are a lot of the time good players because they're a bit anal about the gaming because they're not anal about anything else sometimes i have to censor myself i have said a few things that would offend other people right a lot of the time i don't mind offending people but sometimes the words that i say um, i come from scotland and there are places and there's some words um, that I'm allowed to say well I'm not really allowed to say but I can say I get away with it a bit more here um, I can't get away with saying in other places so I have to tone myself down Um, but as I was saying just because you're the best player doesn't mean you're the best team player that's what I think is trying to get put across in the ETC um, selection process is just because you have been you know, the best actually the best player in England is actually in the D C team um, I believe, so you know, that's not it's not about being the best player, it's been about being a team player, about being able to interact with people properly and not being a twat um, this is the thing that a lot of gatekeepers um, in the, uh, the hobby have not seemed to pick up, is that they're not lo- no longer the majority in the hobby. They're actually the minority. Um, I see a lot of people going, oh, um, women shouldn't play in gaming. Why the hell not? Explain that to me why should women not be allowed to play or transsexuals or gays or whatever it's like motherfucker who gave you the fucking right to tell people that they're not allowed to be played, nobody well shut the fuck up let people let people who want to play play, that, that is my bottom fucking line, I don't give a shit who you are are you not going to be a complete and utter twat then yeah fine, play. I don't mind playing me if you're going to be that guy, then I'm going to have problems playing me, but as long as you don't play... See, the thing is, I can deal with that guy and we all know we all know who that guy is. Those of us who are seasoned gamers know who that guy is. The guy that has to play competition armies no matter what game he's playing or big blocks of cheese Big massive block of cheese of an army, um, because he knows that that army that the army that he's got is not going to beat your army, no matter what. But he's going to throw as much cheese at you as he possibly can. Um, for example, I have never played Space Wolves with Wolfen. We want to know the reason. I grew up, or I started playing back in the day. Or, like, early days of Rogue Trader and Space Marine. So, my Space Wolf armies are mostly made up of claws Blood Claws, Swift Claws, or um, Sky Claws. Now, I do have other ways of playing my Space Wolf Army, but it's the way I prefer playing my Space Wolf Army because it's more fun for me. I I like charging ahead and just smashing them into stuff. It's fun. Um for like the um battle report I did on for my YouTube channel. Um I did play in that particular way though I wasn't far off it, let's be honest. Um, there was Blood Claws, there was Sky Claws, there were Swift Claws and there was Wolfguard with jump packs and there was some Grey Knights, or no, Grey, Grey Knights Grey Hunters I don't generally use Grey Hunters that much other people might tell you otherwise but I don't I use knots. I use Predators I use land speeders sometimes I do have other ways of playing but my actual favourite way of playing with a, has always been my favourite way of playing with a farming, Wolf Army is 4 packs of Blood Claws a pack of Sky Claws which back in the day were assault wolves um, and bikes a pack of bikes um, I have a list that I would love to play with um, which is, is it's four pack, it's a 2,500 point army and it's um, 4 packs of Blood Claws with Wolf Guard Battle Leaders Blood Claw Battle Leaders um, Melted guns or plasma guns and a plasma pistol uh, with each unit. Um, Ragnar Blackman, Wolfguard Battle Leader, the on Bike, and a Rune Priest. Because fuck, I don't need a Wolf Priest. Because um, Ragnar Blackman's hard ass. As fuck. Um, also I think. Um, two packs of Sky Claws, full packs of Sky Claws, a pack of um, Swift Claws pack of long fangs, full pack of long fangs with the, the extra board guy and a me with um, Cyclone two Predators a Venerable Dreadnought with Shield and axe, and a pack of five Wolfguard on bikes that would be my favourite list to use against anything and but I've haven't played a two and a half thousand point game in a while, um, so that that's, that's how I would love to play, especially under this edition because it makes because I think that it just go way right across the table and it'd go smash smash and let's have some fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I am a close combat orientated player. I don't play cheesy army. That's a fluffy man Company army. That's a very fluffy man Company army. Well, maybe if I took out a unit, a pack of um, Blood Claws and put a pack of Grey Hunters in, but three packs of fucking Blood Claws and a pack of Grey Hunters. And Sky Claws and Swift Claws. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I can play whack characters or That Guy characters. Characters, players. Um. As long as I'm not playing a game where they play competitively. The thing is you can always tell with them when you're playing a game that they don't play competitively with them and then they start playing competitively and you're like, right, okay, that is the minute that I stop playing you. Um, I have I've talked about it before um, in other places. Um, a guy that I used to play Boat Action with and 40k with um, and various other games with and there are many a time where I've been like right nope not playing you in that game anymore why not you've started thinking about never mind actually started doing you started thinking about playing tournaments with it nope not doing it you're a dick with your tournament games and you're my mate. Oh, when he's not playing tournament games, he's not a dick. He's a really good guy. <sighs> but when he plays the tournament games, he's a fucking dick, and I can't deal with him. So you know, and people go on, oh, you shouldn't knock wick guys. You shouldn't knock that guy. Why not? He's not fun to play with. That's just something I've been saying. I need to stop playing with I say playing with because it sounds bad in my head um, right um, I think there's enough of that I've done lots of ranting today Um thing I'm going to talk about is Paint All The Minis Paint All The Minis podcast um, website and Facebook group so um, Paint All The Minis it was started by Dan Adam um, who's a really good guy? Um, I've had a good conversation with them. Um, good rapport with the guy. Um, he started Facebook. He started the think it was the Facebook group and the um, podcast. So it's the paint all the Minnies podcast ramble, um, and then the website. Now, a lot of the time when you get a Facebook community, there is a lot of negativity. There's a lot of and crap that you have to go through in order to deal with the good guys, you get the trolls, you get the, oh that looks shit, or, with no explanation of why they think it looks shit, just to make you feel bad. Paying all the minis, they do not have that. If you ask for um, criticism or you know advice or whatever, it will be given in the best possible way you could ever get advice on Facebook ever Um, I have had three or four conversations with different people about you know um, advice on doing things I haven't taken the advice because I've decided to go another route but that advice I will use at another point Um, I've been pointed in the direction of good books on the subject um, which I need to pick up so that's why I went in different directions with the stuff and haven't done it um, but we'll go back and do it with something else um, but also I have had very good interactions with everyone involved in the group um, The Paint All The Minis Podcast ramble is a great um, podcast uh, I know I'm talking about another podcast while I'm recording a podcast but um, I think it's important same as why I point everyone in the direction of Lux APS through my YouTube. Um, it's pushing traffic their way. Uh, it keeps them going. It keeps me going, doing what I'm doing because they're doing what they're doing. Um, but yeah, um, Podcast Ramble has guys like Hank Jefferson. has been on it. But look, Fellows from Lux APS has been on it. Um, Ronnie from Matic's been on it. Um, Rick Peasley's been on it, Gavin Top's been on it, um, some of the guys from Warlord have been on it. Um, yeah, but there's normal people that's been on it. I've been on it. I've been on it once. But that was great because I got to talk about it, I'll take Taken Malfo. I'll talk about taking Taken Malfo. Um, um the website um, is a new addition to the media. Um of Paint All The Minis, it is a really good website, it's got some really interesting guides on how to paint stuff, it has some really interesting videos, some nice battle reports, um, you know, features and what have you, that are also featured on the website, uh, not the website, the Facebook group. But also there's a lot of collaboration between people who are members of the Facebook group, ...but are also YouTubers... and um, ...in their own right... ...excuse me... ...they've taken the time... ...to make videos for... ...Dan... ...and... ...to paint all the minis website... Uh, ...taking time out of... ...what they could do... ...with their own website... ...which I think... ...is a massive thing about... Uh, ...it should tell you a massive thing... ...about the paint all the minis... um ...group... ...is... People are willing to take their time out from doing their own thing. They can help themselves to help other people. To help the group. It's honestly one of two, maybe three, maybe four Facebook groups that I engage with regularly. Um, the other one, m- hobby-wise, is Luke's APS. Um, purely because as I get my advice on terrain when I've looked at a video and gone, I actually don't have a fucking clue what I'm talking about, what he's talking about I do have a clue what he's talking about but I need some advice or maybe something he's not done yet or maybe something i fucked up that he has done and maybe I've not been doing it right, like dipping sea foam uh, trees into latex apparently you're not meant to put the foam flock on before you put them in the latex apparently that's the wrong thing to be doing which I've done but now I don't do anymore I just dip the sea foam in before I put the normal foam on it's a fucking rookie move but you know, I'm a rookie I'm only doing it four months not actually finished the fucking project yet to be perfectly honest I finished them hills that's not true I have finished projects I've finished hills um, but you know what I mean Um, where was I right yeah. so pin all the money Um, Facebook podcast website check them all out Um. I recommend you start the podcast from podcast number one because it's the best place to start any podcast um, you know it is a hundred odd episodes long Um I started about episode 76 77 um, when 77 was out Um so you know I didn't have that much less than you to go through Um but I went through it one by one, Um, and I got to listen to, you know, some of the the greats in the industry, Um, and it it shows you how really down to earth a lot of these people are, and also how willing they are to give their time to people who want to um, further the hobby, rather than further themselves, um, which is what you find sometimes. With people who want to do this kind of thing, want to do, do you know, YouTube, what have you, um, do you know, they look out to further themselves rather than further the hobby, and that's not a helpful thing at all. Um. So, yeah. What the thing is, as well, is Dan Adam, who runs everything. Who's the the pain all the money's guru has not been gaming for a long time he's only been gaming a couple of years it's not like me where you know he's been doing it for 30 fucking years 31 now actually but you know he's not been doing it that long so he's kinda not getting any of the preconceptions guys like me have about certain things Um, But I've been trying to push myself away from those preconceptions in the last year or two. um, Just purely because of different things that are going on um, with me. I'm trying to push all those conceptions away. I'm trying to do different things. So, I had never used the Games Workshop layer system until um, a couple of months ago. I like how it comes out sometimes. I don't like how it comes out other times, but I like how it comes out sometimes. And I've been using the new Games Workshop paints for about two and a half years, Um, maybe three. How long ago did they come out again? Um, so actually, it's probably about two and a half, three years. Yeah, it's before I started seeing my partner Fiona. So we've been together just over two years. Jesus, it doesn't feel like that, you know that? And I mean that in a good way. I mean that in the best possible way. It doesn't feel like two and a, two and a bit years. It feels like no time. But at the same time, it feels it feels like forever. Meant that the other way round but you know, you get the gist. Um so I've been using them for about two and a half years, three years, um and I've never used the layer system. I've always only ever used um dry brush but well not always only ever use dry brush because I'll I'll um like wash and highlight and what have you well, it was always base coat, wash it, dry brush, highlight it, um, or um, darkest shade, and then dry brush it to the lightest shade, I've done that before, it's fucking annoying, it's hard to get right, um, anyway, but as, as I was saying, I was encouraged to try the layer system out by some I can't remember who it was um, I was actually looking at the, the painting that they had done with this figure um, it looked better than anything I could do with a dry brush highlight mm-hmm. so I decided to try um, the layer system and also edge highlight stuff now as well as dry brush highlight Now, I'll probably never stop using the dry brush highlight. Um, I use layer highlight for certain things because it's easier doing the layer system than it is or it's it's less space you've got to do the dry brush highlight so it's easier doing the layer. But I will probably always use edge highlighting. Not that great at it now, but I'm getting better at it, I think. Um, Which is also something that I I, always... I always encourage people to do is try new things whether it's painting whether it's doing terrain when you've never done terrain whether it's playing a new game um, I encourage anyone who plays only Games Workshop games try something else if you've got an interest in World War 2, try that if you've got an interest in the Ancients try that if you get interested, an interest to try you know, another company's system try that, find somebody to try it with because, you know if you don't like it, you know you don't like it you know it's fine, you're allowed to not like things, if you like it better than the Games Workshop games, that's fine because you're allowed to like things better than the Games Workshop game I have met many a people who, before they met me were purely Games Workshop players, from work You know, I worked for um, Virgin Tech Sport for a very short time and I met a few guys who had never, ever, ever done anything but a Game Source Shop. Brought one of them along um, to the Classical Club and I think we played something historical. Can't remember. But, you know, it was his first ever time doing something other than Game Source Shop. He enjoyed it. He loved it. Um, when I stopped working for them, I never saw my game. But, you know, that's fine. Um, I hope, you know, he has gone on and played other things. Um, he talked about doing historical stuff, which is cool. You know, that was bringing something in that had never done anything other than shop Brought them to do something else. I think it's important for these all to try something different. Get your head out of the games workshop space. Get your head out of games workshop's arse. This is me being a wee bit bitter about games workshop, I will absolutely be fucking honest. Um because I have applied I have went for job interviews and not got job in inter- jobs. Even though I'm pretty much certain I'm the best person for the job. And so is everyone around me. Think oh, you're the best person for that job. Games Workshop obviously don't think so, or the manager doesn't think so, or he's brought in one of the regulars, more than likely one of the fucking regulars, that's what I don't understand, why bring in a fucking regular, he's going to favour his mates, everyone knows that, everyone knows that, fuck it, anyway, less of my bitterness, and man, not actually ever going to sit in at Games Workshop, Glasgow ever again until the manager fucks off somewhere else Um yes very bitter I know shut up it's not helpful but it's the way I feel I'm never gonna spend I also have this thing about not spending money directly with Games Workshop erm um, or buy them from Element everything from Element Games or off eBay <laughs> because I want to spend the money directly with Game Sorts I know it's childish but hey I'm a wargamer for God's sake I play with toy soldiers I like to be childish once in a while Um yeah so I buy all my Games Workshop stuff from Wildland Games don't buy it from anywhere else except from Triple Elix so I was lying when I said that Um so I buy all Games Workshop stuff from Triple Elix and Element Games very rarely do I buy from Triple Elix mostly it's from Element <coughs> but you know that's me being very very petty about things but that's fine i'm allowed to be petty i'm an old guy um what else was i going to say there's, there's a lot of things I'm, i want to say but i don't know whether or not it's best to just leave it for you know another episode um which i might just do because this is now almost an hour and ten minutes And sometimes I think if you go beyond two or three hours, it's too much, especially when it's you talking yourself, you know, talking. I think when you're doing like interview episodes, it's good to do over an hour, but when it's an episode of you talking yourself, it's maybe not the best thing. So um, I'm going to bring it to a close for today Um, and say, I hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoyed episode one, hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'm gonna say good night and happy hobby.